What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirits remain unbroken. I'm your host, Blake Law. This is episode 62 of the podcast, and we are very, very excited you're able to join us today. They say we learn the most from our losses, and that is exactly what this show aims to do. We're going to interview an elite player who has lost one or two games at a major event. We're going to talk about that game. We're going to break it down, and we're going to learn from all the mistakes between A and Z. How often have you blamed a game on bad dice? Brad just did it off air. He was really angry. He cussed at me. It made me very sad. I'm going to be slinging from the hip this week, just like our event this weekend, the Lone Star Open. We're going down to Texas and we're talking to a true Texan about his rampage during that event, only to be stopped by the one, the only Eldari, or Eldar if you will. Now, this is part one, so in this part, we'll be analyzing the game. We'll be talking about common mistakes, secondaries, target priority, and all the things between. In part two of this, which is available to subscribers at theartofwar40k.com, we're going to be going a little bit deeper, and we're going to be talking about all the strategies they plan to adjust, their list adjustments, how their list plays the mileage share list, all the lists that exist out there. And don't forget to use Car Salesman Pitch, the elite player mindset. The ghost is back, baby. He's risen from the grave. He's here today. He may not be here tomorrow because he's going to be in Europe. Don't take that the wrong way. But he's been doing pretty well lately, honestly. I think he's he's won a couple events this year. How'd you do? Well, we'll get to that. Brad Chester, everybody. How'd you do Salt City this last weekend? Did you go? I decided to go to the hospital instead. Oh, well. I mean, we literally talked about this. You gave me advice. Oh my gosh! I I did talk to you. You were in the hospital. How how uh, did you win? I, I almost made my I almost made my plane, except for I was on an IV in the ER, so I, I missed it by just a little bit. Brad, I was just I got, a bit uh, outside. One question for you though: Did you win? I didn't. You know what? I did not win. That I. But how about win? this? I did. I didn't lose a game. You didn't lose a game, <laughs> but I think I think you won a little bit, man. I think you won one game. The game of life. Game of life. Well, our guest. Let's just go straight to that. Our guest this week is someone I've been trying to get on for quite some time. He's been playing the game for a little, around a year, year and a half, and he's been absolutely killing it in the local tournaments and tournaments abroad, actually. He's played in the Dallas Open. He's finished in the top cut of that. He played at the LSO where he went five and one. He finished top 10 at Games Workshop Austin last year, and he also had a near top finish at Games Workshop New Orleans last year. Our guest, of course, I'm talking about the one, the only, Mr. Justin Moore. How's it going? Put up some big points this weekend, brother. Yeah, Good job. Man. I appreciate it. It was a tough weekend, some tough armies. So how'd you get, everyone wants to know, how'd you get from starting out a year and a half ago to basically competing for winning events in that short of time? People are asking, totally. did you take in performance-enhancing drugs to help your 40K skills out? Yeah, that would be the uh, <laughs> art of war war room would be those performance enhancing drugs nice. anybody's hey. wondering 
War Room member from start to finish, baby. And I actually live right up the street from one of y'all's uh, longtime teammates. That's a common denominator, man. I hear a lot of people talking about like, oh, how this person gets so good. It's like, oh, I live down the street from Brad or, you know, it's like, <laughs> this, is, this is bogus, man. I need I need a Brad. Bob. Brad, come, come move next to me. You need a Brad. Brad's the Brad. key to success. Yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. The uh, International Lodge of Brad's is around the world trying to make 40K better. Yeah. Right. The, <laughs> The Brotherhood of Brads. There's Brotherhood be, of Brads. I'm going to shave my beard and uh, my hair to look exactly like you at the next event. Um, maybe that'll give me some mojo. You're going to have to dye that bad boy a little white, baby. I am. I'm going <laughs> to go full on gray. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, uh, what is it, uh, Silver Fox? I'm going to Silver Fox on you. Silver Fox. I think I'm. Uh, it's totally great. I'm more like Santa Claus anymore. I went from salt and pepper to just straight salt. <laughs> hey, tell me a little bit about LSO, man. Tell us about the terrain layout. You, this is your second year to go, correct? Uh, yes, correct. So the terrain, I was actually, I was pretty impressed by it. It um, it was heavy, but it favored, you know, either army had a chance. And it was run by Kyle Malberg, one of my teammates for Texas Rollum. He was the head TO, um, and I feel he did a fantastic job. He, um, judges were available whenever you called them, you know, and I just I was really impressed by that. Some really good competition, too. So it was a good event. You're actually the second Texas guy we brought on in a row. I just realized that. We're on a real Texas roll lately. Same team. Same team. Yeah, Texas. Right. We had uh, we had Robert on last week, so uh, – Back-to-back Texas episodes. Yeah, he's a solid player. I like Robert. Yeah, Robert's cool. He's actually in competition. He's got to be. He, he could be the first four Pete. We're still. We're still in the air on that. So. Uh, uh, okay, I better step up my game. Step up your game. <laughs> yeah, so y'all yeah. brought on uh, Brett too, didn't you? Yeah. Yep. And himself. We've had a Viet episode. We've had all kinds of Texas episodes. It's been great. Viet did did call me out. I said that I drink wine at eight o'clock, and he goes, "Yeah, but are you taking shots before you brush your teeth?" <laughs> I feel like Viet and alcohol get mentioned in every episode some way or another. This gets wrapped you bring in. Bring him up. That's all I think about. He's just calling me out. I'm like, I, I felt like I need to have him with me at all times. They're like, Brad drinks too much wine. You're like, yeah, but I'm not Viet. It's not Viet. Yeah, yeah, you always have that. Around here that uh, he gets better as he gets more drunk. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about your list, man. So I was running Skatara Veteran Cohort Mars. I, it's a, a single battalion. The free slot was the Techno Archaeologist, which he is the character where you can't deep strike within 12 inches of him. And I gave him Magi, which is basically just pick a core unit and plus two to their advance. Or you can go to the advanced uh, part to that, which is Exploding Sixes. Oof. And he was basically just there for my my. Rustocker flank, he would just chill with them. And when I was ready to make that play, they'd get plus two to the advance, uh, plus three to their movement, and then advance and charge. And that would, that would be that flank. And then the next HQ was the Skatari Marshal, which you have to take with the he veteran cohort. Yeah, pretty good. Still, I mean, he at least went up, what, 10 points, but he's still ridiculous. They nerfed him. You're like, was that even a nerf? Like, this guy was like so stupidly undercosted. He's amazing. It, Yes, it definitely. Still very good uh, unit. I think a must take. So he has to be the warlord as well. He's my warlord. He has Cantic Thrallnet and Calculate Without Diversion, which is the relic and warlord trait. One of them allows me to launch a buff. Basically, plus one shooting, melee, plus three to movement, or plus one save. Each turn, I can launch that to a unit within nine or across the board if they have a data tether, which is an upgrade. And so that's the marshal. And next, I had the 
Manipulus, and I gave him Loja, which is ignore AP 1 and 2. And he also gives a Ranger unit an extra AP on their gun, which is, you know, armor of content. And then an extra six inches to their range. And so then, Yeah. And it's so ridiculous. That got to auto-include too, man. Like those, you, 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 what, what do you take after you take the Marshall and the um, the Manipulus? Like those two guys, in my opinion, are just like so freaking good. Dominus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would take two if I could, but in veteran cohort, you can only take one of each priest. Yeah. So there would have been two, but. And then uh, I had the Dominus as my last HQ choice, which he basically gives reroll ones to hit. He was my Artisan uh, Holy Order, which is fall back and shoot or, or fall back and charge, because simply I didn't want to pay CP for a uh, programmed retreat, which is a warlord trait to let me fall back and shoot in this new meta of low CP. The Cpocalypse. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I just had to make it. I was like, do I pay 40 points for fallback and shoot or a CP? I was like, I'll just pay the 40 points. Yeah. So he was already going to be with my Rangers. So if anybody wanted to go in and try and lock me up in combat, they could just fall back and shoot. And that wrapped it for the HQs. Troops, it's pretty simple. A whole bunch of Rangers. Uh, 20 man brick, two 15 mans, and a 10. The 20 man, I. Uh, went ahead and gave two plasma cavaliers just to have some, you know, four shots, AP three, two damage, just some extra AP shots, uh, um, high strength. And, uh, and then one of the 15 mans, I just had an extra 10 points. So I gave, you know, one more of a plasma. Yeah. And they ended up being clutch in a few scenarios. And we'll talk about that later, but nice, you know, those final shots where they think I'm done rolling dice and I'm like, Oh yeah, the plasma. And I roll those <laughs> last four shots. <laughs> So then uh, we go to the elites. I had a three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, thought, I thought you meant to say not elites. I go into the rust stalker slot. <laughs> yes, exactly. If I could fit more with the points, I would. But um, they're so good. Yes, they definitely are. I had uh, basically a unit of nine with the temper copia for the fight last and a unit of seven and a unit of five. And that wraps it for the elite slot. I, I love the fact that you rounded it out with, oh yeah, I took the suck it Trebek unit of six chicken walkers with Cognus Last cannons. Yeah. <laughs> From ridiculous. I heard they got core again. You're about to get blasted. <laughs> yes. And would you believe me if I told you that not a single game did somebody kill all six of them? Oh, they yeah. somehow made it through the whole tournament yeah. without getting hot. That's like not even the main threat, though. You're like, oh, yeah, these rust dockers are about to murder me. Like, Yeah, but also, uh, man, if you're a big thing and you see six chicken walkers, you're like, it's about to go bad. It's <laughs> like, about to go real yeah. bad. So they have to make a big choice because if they want to try and kill them, they have to overcommit. They really have to pop out with a lot of stuff. And at that point, they you know get the wrath of the rangers. And a lot of people don't know about the chickens. There's a 1CP strat that you can charge something with them. You roll a dice for each chicken that's in the unit. Every two plus is a mortal. So you basically, you know, do four to six mortals right. to a unit, which is perfect for like uh, Catan, stuff like that, because it's in the charge phase. 100%. Plus the little big units like the Eldar that you played, uh, Eldar, uh, Sisters, and people like that that have, you know, a lot of one one models, because you're losing so much when they yeah. lose a couple of guys. It's huge. Especially if you get right. to take it in, kill the whole unit. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, Crazy. The, the most uh, people were shocked when I was charging them in and, until I popped that strat. And then they're like, oh. And the light bulb pops over. Yeah, unless you're me in my Necron game. 
I had four chickens left and I charged him in. His Catan had four wounds left and rolled three ones. Ouch. So, yeah. yeah. Still down oh, no, no, no. He had five wounds left. Sorry. He had five wounds left. And I did uh, basically only got him down to that four wounds mark. So I was like, this is devastating. <laughs> hmm. So let's talk about what you, let's see your opponent brought here. We've got some Eldari, a little bit of Hail of Doom. We've got two Warlock Skyrunners, one Protect Jinx, one Quicker Restrain, two Farseers. One was bringing the Incomparable Hunter, Kurnos Bow combination for mortals. Then we've got another one with Weeping Stones to get to roll a couple more extra strand dice. Two units of 10 Guardian Defenders, five Rangers, a unit of five Dire Avengers, a Shining Spear unit with the Paragon Saber. We have two units of six Wind Riders with Catapults. We've got a Falcon, one Warwalker, a wave serpent, and then we've got a patrol of light harlequins with a shadow seer, two units of players with double neuros apiece, a death jester with rift ghoul, and two star weavers for exactly 2,000 points. So going into this match, what tell us a little bit about what, what the uh, mission was how, and how you were feeling about this game. So this game, I, I felt pretty favored into it. So it's a lot of T3 bodies, you know, um, they, I know they have the psychic, and I knew he would take that psychic secondary, and I knew that it would be a battle. But going into it, my plan was basically just to make a triangle. What mission were we playing? So the mission, I believe, I want to say it was corners. The one right where you're in the two corners, like the old sweep and clear. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did right. you choose for your secondaries when you're going in? Okay, so for my secondaries, I believe I took Uncharted Sequencing, which was a risk on that one. I went ahead and took... What is that for everybody that doesn't know? Yeah, what is that? I was about to say, I don't know what that does, actually. So, uncharted sequencing is you number each objective, and at the end of... uh, So, you put... uh, There's five objectives. You number each one. One, two, three, four, five. And at the end of that battle round, if you control the one associated with the battle round, number one objective, battle round one, at the end of it, you get three points. On battle round two, if you control the one that you numbered number two, you get three points, and pretty... It's just like that. And uh, so on a five objective mission, you know, I pretty much took that every game, but, you know, we talked about that. And so, yeah, I took that um, banners and I want to say grind them down. I think it was grind them down because I, I was pretty confident I could kill Do, do you remember what he chose on his? So he took the psychic one. Ritual believe, or interrogation? The, the one in the center. So ritual, the ritual, yeah. Of, yeah. And then he took banners as well. And then the third one for him, I'm having trouble remembering it. I want to say it was an Eldar one. Did he take Wrath of Cain? It might be Wrath of Cain. Which one was that one? It's the one where you have to kill. I don't know if he has enough stuff for it. I don't know if he took that. Wrath of Cain is when you have to kill one thing in the shooting phase and one thing in the close combat phase by Aspect Warriors, but he doesn't have that many Aspect Warriors. He really right, doesn't. Right. He just has a Dire Maybe, Rangers, really. Uh, I mean, he could do a hidden path where he takes. he basically has to hold the neutral zone objective each time. I think it was that one. I want to say it was that one. Okay. Because I think I remember him talking about ones in the middle. And uh, so, yeah, those were the the secondaries. What's your game plan going into the game? You're, you felt like you were fairly confident. What was your game plan for this particular mission against this? So going into it, I had uh, Rangers up towards the... I actually put, uh, I think, two units up closer because they have that pregame move. And the terrain setup that we were on, it was one of the ones that already had a preset P3 
piece of terrain in the middle, I believe. And the you know, some of them that? already had like the orc one. There's a couple yeah. others. Uh, it already had a big piece there. So I put them there knowing I could just move that three inches just enough to get behind that building. And then the rest of my army, I had a right flank, which was all my rangers and columns with my chickens behind that. And my rust dockers were going to make the move for that left flank to hold down that left objective and make a triangle and just hit the center every turn. I forgot that Eldar has that uh, the shenanigans for quicken. You just go up, do your psychic, and run away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I saw that turn one. I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. So like we we will we will do some stuff in the middle, then run away the Eldar way. Yes. Right. So where it went wrong for me, I think not necessarily went wrong, but he went first and went after, saw what I was doing with that flank to go to make the triangle with the rust dockers. And with the speed of Eldar, he just went ahead and pushed a bunch of his army in that direction to fight me on that. And also to make it so if I move in that direction, I'm going to take fire. So that's where we did. We pretty much battled over that flank. And then I feel I made, so I made a huge mistake. This is uh, what I think turned the game is he had a transport on the objective. And this is already, you know, probably third round in. And I thought he, for whatever reason, I thought he had emptied it and I didn't ask the question. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to ask, hey, is there something in this? And turns out he hadn't. And there was troops inside and they I, I charged the, object, uh, the transport. Uh, they and popped out and stole it. Yeah. Yes. Oh. I had taken grind. So I needed that grind kill. I thought it was just an empty transport. Well, turns out it wasn't. So, it, you know, just simply me asking a question could have prevented that. And uh, I knew I was in trouble because primary is where I needed to win that game. He has that psychic secondary, which already gives him a leg up. And uh, it was just a, a struggle. You know? How much did you end up losing this game by? So I want to say less than 10. Yeah, okay. like he, he scored 87. Nine. I was going to say he scored 87 points on it. So it's a big, I mean, that's a huge score. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it, we, it was a good game. Like it, it, you know, we both did good on primary, both did good on secondary, but that's what costed me the game. That pile out onto that objective, it, it costed me the game. So looking back on this, like your overall game plan and everything, was there a chance that you could push up either of the flanks and just kind of push into his territory a little bit earlier? Tell me how that game went on that, because you've got a lot of firepower and just a lot of bodies for that army to take care of. So what were your thoughts on on just basically going, I don't know if you can keep with, especially with that big piece in the middle, uh, of just kind of moving around that edge and going for a flank, you know, cutting it off because of the fact that 90% of his damage is also just coming from shooting because he's got just the, his close combat options were really just the uh i mean the players i guess you know what i mean they didn't have any special weapons on them yeah they don't even they're not even great at uh taking you down either i mean they're, right. they're pretty decent at taking you know just punching rangers in the face but i mean you've got he had a hard time just you know hand handing you so i was debating if you just if you go around that big center objective and kind of push rangers and rust dockers around at him whether he actually has the the ability to take you out at that point in time yeah, no, that's a good point. There's so I I tried to press on the objective that he had, his other objective in that far corner where there wasn't much uh, action going on. He had a uh, transport there with that was full of troops, and then he had a random character. Now there was a building over there that he was hiding behind. I was able to get an angle on them. Harlequins being Harlequins, I fired my shots at him, and he ended up. Uh, I think they 
survived by one wound. I want to say he took one of the wounds on the altar, or what? Not the altar. The uh, yeah, because he had another squad. So he had two squads there. I killed most of it, but that four up inbound from the troops is what ended up uh, saving it for him. And then he just hid. He hid that uh, that last little bit behind that wall, and I was struggling on that other flank to push him because I needed to get him off of it fast. I knew that. Uh, I couldn't let him get a 12, and I was worried that if I didn't overcommit onto that side, that I would that he would just hold it because I didn't have obsec over there. So it was kill everything there, or he gets he just gives his points. Yeah, yeah, and then he was just playing that quicken game every turn. Uh, you know, go up, up do a psychic, and run away. With that middle piece of terrain, did you end up having it on your side or his side because they have to move it one way or the other? So it ended up. Uh, I think it ended up a little bit on my side, which is why the Rangers were able to get that angle and hide right right there. I was able to take that flank back on the side, but after he got that 12, that's where it kind of fell apart for me. I, uh, we were too late in the game. You know, normally I, I moved the Rangers into position. They go up, they charge something that late in the game, but it was just too far across the board to try and make that play. I moved up to go for the center. And as you can tell by the score, I made up a lot of points by the end, but it wasn't enough to close that gap. Yeah, I mean, this is a high-scoring game for sure. Since you guys yeah. are really rocking it out. Yeah, when you forward. score that, that swing is what, like, it's like eight point eight point swing there by itself, just on the losing that objective. Yeah, yeah. That. yeah, that's huge in a game this tight, especially when you're scoring. Well, it could have been a it could have been a flop because it's four points for you and then four points for him at that point in time. So, right, so it's it's a big deal on that going into that. I'm no, I'm debating on waiting until the branding for it. Well, the extra question, I'm just going to ask it now. Over the course of the weekend, who was your MVP and who's on the chopping block? You know, this is why I have I've hired a hitman, but he can't find him in Arkansas, and he's definitely <laughs> going to hamstring it. And um, <laughs> and you start, I finish. That's uh, it's a tag team now. It's a tag team question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so what was your question, Brad? <laughs> Over the course of the weekend, who was the MVP unit and who's on the chopping block? Okay, so the MVP unit, I gotta say, the Rust Dockers, that Tempercopia Rust oh, Docker yeah. unit. Uh, they 100 percent won my sister's game. They got Morgan Ball turn one. Jesus. Uh, flew. He did not. Um, I didn't even plan on going after her. I just rolled in advance just to see. I do that in most of my games. I'll just, you know, they stay hidden, but I'll roll each their advance and just to see. And I rolled that that six with the plus two to advance and uh, measured out. And I was like, I pick roll an additional uh, dice for the charges because I'm Mars and I can use canicles with them. And it ended up being a seven inch charge with three d six. And I was like, this is worth the risk. So to get rid of those full rerolls for the rest of the game. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel that's the only reason I won that game. I mean, that's like a that's the linchpin of the sister's army. I when mean, they hit, how how did how did they do versus uh, Morgan Vall? Like what was the was it just like so much damage you just couldn't do anything? Uh it, it was down to literally the last wound after she, uh, they used all their, you know, shenanigans to try and keep her alive. Literally the last wound. That's how tough she is. Nine rust dockers barely finished her off. I was about to say, because I I doing this the quick math in my head thinking about it. Like that's that's like right on the edge. Well, it's, it's hard though, because of the fact that when you're looking at the sisters, you have to remember for everybody listening that they can auto make one. Right. with uh, miracle a miracle dice. dice, but they can also modify one of the saves to be plus one. So they effectively are going to make two of those automatically. So it does screw up the math quite a bit because you just get two auto successes. 
Right. That's it. It had me uh, pretty nervous. I needed to go change my underwear after that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she ain't getting another shot at her. Like that's just like yeah, she puts that. it. In, she puts it in reverse. Yeah. I'm out of here. That's exactly what it was. The what chopping it? chopping block. I've considered cutting down on the chickens just to maybe like a foreman because throughout the whole, I had them that big for a couple of reasons for the strat that I told you, uh, where I charge something to the mortals for all the, uh, stuff that can only be damaged, uh, three per phase. And also for the admex secondary, which is kill stuff with vehicles. And, uh, yes. Eradication. It got much worse in my opinion. Uh, I am use ranger bricks and now you have to use vehicles. I didn't take that once in the whole tournament because I was just too nervous that, uh, you know, the opponent would be able to chew through that. I know I would if somebody had that. And I'm like, those are your only vehicles. You mean if I kill those, uh, the secondary is done for the rest of the game? I yeah. would go to after uh, them. It's funny because you say that because I was just talking about that coaching-wise today several, to several people. I hate when you have any secondary that can only be accomplished by one unit or one character or one whatever. Because once your opponent realizes this, it's totally worth them sacrificing some stuff if they can put you at a three or a zero, you know what I mean, on that secondary. So they're right. just like, well, I'll sacrifice a unit or two, 100% to make it so you just can't achieve one of your secondaries. It's such a big deal. That was a huge deal for me at LVO, actually. I took a Psyker in my Ad McKnight army. <laughs> what a freaking mistake. It took you mean, the one I tried telling you not to, and you couldn't listen to me. I, I painted it, and it looked awesome. Then I, I played a bunch of test games, and it was horrible in the game. And I was like, I've already painted it. That's it's in. <laughs> I love that you tested it, went, this is awful. I I'm did. still going to do it. I took it to a tournament. It was awful at the tournament I took it to. You're like, like I the did dude that keeps it. eating something. He's like, oh my God, this is so bad. Let me see. Let me take another bite. Did you of see how sweet that model was, How sweet was that model? Yeah. Like the guy at US Open, uh, uh, New Orleans, who took the single librarian, but surrounded him with bodyguards when he was still the actual bodyguard. Thinking <laughs> yeah. That was enough. And he, and he got charged by like 30 rust stalkers. I was like, it's worth it. I'm going in. I was yeah. like, turn one. You're about to die. <laughs> like this is yeah. So it's just, it's really crazy on that. But uh, what did you think about the the train setup this year? We didn't really go into that too much. Well, we'll talk about more of the game in a minute when we go into part two, the Bradening after hours. But how do you feel about how the train was? And are you a big fan of player place train? Or would you like, do you like some of the other terrain formats? So I like both. I feel that it's good for the meta to have, you know, GW style, heavy, you know, favors melee armies. And then you have FLG style player placed. I mean, in my opinion, favors uh, a little bit of both, but a little bit more for shooting because all of the buildings have windows. So you can just step up with all your, all your in my case, my rangers and fire out, benefit from all the stuff, you know, defensible, you know, right. all the stuff. And uh, yeah, it was good. You can create really good lines of fire too, especially if you're playing against a melee army, especially if you get that first piece of terrain, because then you're just like, welcome to the crater in the middle kind of thing. Yes. But, you, but no matter what, you can just set up really nice lines of fire in player place terrain. I do, the only thing I, I enjoy player place terrain, my personal, my own personal favorite, I've just said this a million times, is uh, terrain that changes via the mission. Yeah. Static terrain that changes per mission because it takes a little bit time off the player's thing. But the, the only other thing is that if you're not used to player place terrain, you have a huge advantage over the player, even if you guys are equal skill everywhere else. Because if you screw up place in your terrain, it's a long game, man. It's <laughs> yeah. bad. Yeah, I had to. I showed one of my opponents. Uh, he had one of those L-shaped buildings 
like the orc one you know they have ones that are big, pretty big pieces but they're in the shape of an l and he after he was setting up his pieces and i point mine towards my opponent almost like an like an arrow and he put his kind of at a 90 degree angle and that and i told him that ended up costing him the game yeah because you just walk sideways and go hey look it's you (laughs) it's so big changes Uh, the angle completely 100 percent I'm such a big thing. I tell everybody all the time, if you get anything from listening to us, when you're playing player place terrain, put all of your terrain down as soon as you can put one piece down and measure all of it out before you decide on any one thing. And you can pre-measure though. Like if I'm playing Blake right now, I'm going to go, hey, how far can your units go? And then I'm going to measure to see what kind of angles I can turn my my piece as usual i'm talking with my hands even though no one can see me but you can literally figure all of that out pre-measure 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 man it's such a big deal and it can make your game go from being great to feeling because you could see them the entire time you know what i mean you just move over and then instead of a great place to hide and score your objective you basically just made a kill box basically where every time you put something there you just went over and killed it so right yeah, I also like to measure like on the ones that are sender objectives, where there's one in the middle. I like to, you know, what is my least movement for my obsec and try and put a building where my stuff can get out from the building straight onto that objective. Yeah. Not uh, have a chance of failing that advance and losing the game because yeah. I couldn't make it over there. And you got to layer that stuff up. It's such a big deal on that. Uh, again, if you got to measure out all your terrain first, such a big deal. It makes such a big difference when you're going into the player place. Um, I cannot stress that enough. It's, it's the difference between having a good tournament and a bad tournament is if you take a little bit of extra time with that player place terrain and just figure out what's my strategy is, where am I going? I see people all the time, they block out a couple things, but they don't have that. Here's where I'm going turn one. Here's where I'm going turn two. What am I going to do? And that makes such a big difference in how the game goes for the rest of the game. Everybody right. should be able to not be shot turn one, but it's what you're doing as you're moving up, as you're taking your secondaries, as you're taking your objectives. So right. I knew every game that I needed. I had two flanks, you know, the Rust Dockers, the Rangers. I needed somewhere, a main base for both of those. And then everything else was kind of just, you know, I need to have at least one piece on the side so they can't just walk out, shoot my Ranger flank. Your side piece. And be careful. Yeah, be careful not to block myself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So and the big part about shooting armies is be really you got to pay attention that you're not putting it where you're blocking yourself because you can easily put a piece and it's devastating to your army because you. That's oh, huge. Shoot. Especially when you have things like chickens that aren't able to move through walls. You don't want to make so you're losing entire turns walking around something uh, that could be somewhere else for sure. Right. Yeah, the chickens, uh, people were shocked when they saw how fast those things could move, though. At one CP, they move 16 inches. and fire oh, huge. Yeah. Yeah, they zoom around. You're like, uh, I was here, but now I'm not. Copperfield magic. Yeah. Magic. Pretty much. Well, are we ready for the Bradening? Are you ready to take you to the I, Mad Brad Hour? I'm ready. I got so many questions. Enter the vortex. It is Brad. Thanks for joining yeah. us, Justin. I'm excited to talk to you in part two. Brad, as always. Yeah, you know. no problem. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to check out our other podcasts. We have The Art of War Vanilla with now with Nick Donavati and Paul Murphy. We have the very, 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 very Australian Art of War Down Under with the late and great Adam Camilleri. We, of course, are The Art of War Pistachio, the flavor didn't know you loved until you tried us. Thanks for listening. Join us for part two.
Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com. 